I hope everybody out there is being safe. Uh, whether you're in Canada, whether you're in the States, I don't care what country you're in. We're going to do this. So today's a big day, not only because of the guests we have on 25 on 19, um, but also because it's the NFL draft and there's nothing else going on. And there's even no wrestling on tonight. So, I mean, it can't even get in the way. So in saying that, um, let's get right to the to our guest today. Um, first, as always, I'm joined by my uh, man with the plan, Nicky Nooch. Nick, how you doing, bud? Nicholas. Nick's MIA. All right, no worries. Hey, then here comes the guest. You might, all you Letter Kenny problem fans, you know, we last week or a couple of weeks ago, we had Nathan Dales who plays uh, Daryl or better referred to on Letter Kenny uh, problems as uh, Derry. Um, and as continuing this, uh, we've had this guy on Grind Time with Darren McCarty before. Um, he spent a lot of time. He's got some Michigan. Uh, He's born in Canada, but he's got Michigan roots because he knows that Kalamazoo area as a young man, and he was shaped, and that's why his sense of humor and his hockey prowess uh, in Letter Kenny shows off. Anyways, uh, proud to say a buddy of mine, and actually I know his dad real well. Hope he's doing good. Give it up, boys, for Dylan Playfair. You know him as Riley on Letter Kenny Problems. Uh, oh, bro, check you out. Ah, uh, look at yeah, you. Nick, you better get on here soon, bud, because uh, he's wearing a grind time shirt. Now, you know that um, kissing ass is uh, – that's no worries, dude. That is number one. You're a true blue Canadian. So, first, uh, love the shirt. Where are you? What have you been doing? I'm in Vancouver. Uh, how you been holding up? And uh, just give everybody out there uh, – Give out, give everybody out there an update on uh, life of uh, you know a, a TV show star during the quarantine. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Well, we actually uh, you were the last squad we we saw before we had to do the mad dash back to Canada. Our, our last show was at the Masonic Temple Hall there in Detroit, which was an absolute fucking banger. Um, I think I speak on behalf of the the whole cast and and anyone in the audience when I say it was uh, a special show. But we, uh, yeah, we left Detroit that night, and then we buzzed up to uh, to Buffalo. I got some family out there. My Uncle Larry played for the Sabers, and him and his his family yeah. are still out there. So I had a bite to eat with my cousins. Savage, and... Uncle Larry was a savage, guy. by the way. Okay, Uncle Larry <laughs> played for all you hockey fans out there. I do. It, sorry to interrupt you, bro, but no, I no, let people please. know because they look up Larry Playfair. And there's certain guys when I do the slapstick comedy, um, my slapstick comedy uh, show and stuff like this, I tell everybody the difference between, you know, a guy that you sort of like to fight. And I use Marty McSorley as an example, because Marty McSorley is a guy that that would uh, he could fight for like an hour. Right. Like he was yeah. like the duration. Yeah, I he'd be like Ric Flair. Right, like a little bit dirty, mm. but not gonna really overpower you. You might cut you, make you bleed, embarrass you a little bit, get you dirty, but you know what? You're gonna live the next day. You know you're gonna taste your beer after the game. You know you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna have problems macking on any chicks or anything like that. Now, as opposed to that, there's always the yin and the yang and the opposite. 
that is the guys that can kill you with one punch or end your career, the Joey Koshers, the Tony Twists, um, the Dave Browns, and the Uncle Larry Playfairs. So he was one of those <laughs> yeah. guys that could put his fist. Now, your old man was tough too, but Uncle Larry, I think he uh, – he just was a savage. So continue. So you were going to Buffalo. Yeah, no, with it, the, it, his his shoulders body. go right from his shoulders up to his fucking ears. Uncle Larry, he's a he's a built like a brick shit house. That guy for sure. You shake his hand and what your fucking hand go on. I I got the looks in the family. <laughs> Attaboy. There it is. There yeah. it is. Um, but yeah, but, so we, we let's say that again. No, I said you were heading to Buffalo because you just crushed it. Yeah. Crushed it. Anybody yeah. who was at the, the show and you guys crushed it. It was awesome. We'll get into that. Though. Yeah, that was unreal. And then we, uh, yeah, we buzzed up to, to Buffalo and that was right around the time they started, um, you know, San Jose, uh, the, the county that the, the rink is in, they said no, no mass gatherings. And then we had a couple venues fall off because of that because the local governments were saying they couldn't have gatherings of more than a thousand people. And uh, it was about 45 minutes before we were hopping on the bus to go to the venue in, in Buffalo. And our, our producer came in and said, show is postponed. We got to hop on the bus and get across the border because we weren't sure what that story was going to look like. And then, uh, yeah, we buzzed across the border and sort of had a, had a last hurrah, said goodbye to the, to the, to the crew. And, we we're on a plane early the next morning. So, uh, yeah, I stopped in our tracks, man, with the COVID. But I, I think everyone is in the same boat. So that made it a little of an easier pill to swallow, just knowing that everyone else is in the same position as us, getting put in neutral. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it sucked, man. We were planning to be going all the way until the end of April, actually. Our last show was in, supposed to be in Los Angeles and then come up here and start working on the Mighty Ducks, which is going to be super exciting but everything's on hold so i've been getting caught up on a lot of netflix series well you know how well we'll get into that but you know how you guys have letter kenny problems you know mm -hmm. and that well nick's got real world problems or he had real world problems i was trying to get a hold of him early today and he didn't answer my phone call and I'd let it uh -oh. go and because he was on an eight-person conference call. But he's made time for us now. And before he's got to leave us at 445 for another real-world thing because, you know, you we go. don't play in the real world. There he is. Everybody, okay. Hey. It's a two-way street. Hold hey, on. I love it. Can you two, Dude, I saw the shirt, man. Hold on. You two yeah, have man. a ball-sucking session right now. You guys toss each other <laughs> off a little bit. I'm gonna I feel like Shorzy right now. Oh, by the way, uh talking to not you, Dylan, but let Riley know. Let Riley's mom know I said hi. I'm sorry I didn't yeah. fucking talk when I came through, but I'm from Ontario. Uh, yeah. We all been through Letter Kenny, enough of that. All right, we'll get to that. They yeah. can tune into season 10 or 11 for the reason that be. But um yeah. let's go back. No, but hey, Nick, welcome. Good to see you. Uh, we were talking uh, to Dylan just about how uh, we were talking with Nathan and just the, how things were going to Buffalo, uh, and then everything got called off. Um, what do you remember, Nick? Because uh, I told him they crushed the show uh, that night at the Masonic, and when what uh, Dylan just said is that they had one that last bender together 
as a crew and i said no i was gonna say no you're not a crew you're a family i was back there i yeah. seen it so you got the blast off with your chosen family so what do you remember nick or or, or different stuff like that or is there something you wanted to do i'll let you say hi to dylan yeah. right now before i kick it it was it was awesome it was uh and we kind of explained this to nathan a little bit where you know, we didn't really know what to expect, right? We didn't really understand how it was going to work, what it was all about. Um, there was lines of people wrapped around the entire building. We got in there. It was great venue. I mean, Masonic Temple is awesome. Uh, and, dude, we laughed from beginning to end. I think, Dylan, I, I texted you beforehand, like, hey, we're here. We're pumped up. We're ready to go. Um, it was incredible. It was super funny. I, I'm, you know, I'm so happy. I'm so thankful that we were able to go and see you guys playing, you know, doing, doing your thing. It was uh, incredibly well done. And the biggest thing that I learned from it was the amount of gratitude that you guys had. And it wasn't, it wasn't that you were thanking the fans, thanking Detroit, because, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it wasn't bullshit. Like, you guys were legitimately thankful gracious uh humble about the whole thing and that really showed through um and that's probably why you guys ended it in detroit it's not going to get better than that yeah go out on i know yeah i mean it's cool to hear you say that because it's i i think a, a lot of people see that in the show they see the uh the genuine camaraderie that we have with each other and that's why so much of the material flow so smoothly and, and it really isn't it's not a manufactured thing i mean you look at our beginnings we all uh i think you guys know a bit of the story but for the fans out there who haven't heard the story we were all for the most part beer league hockey players out in vancouver sort of etching out an existence as as day player actors so myself andrew her nate dales jared kiso tyler johnson um jamie lapointe who plays the ginger uh, we were all in the same beer league team, and uh, I mean, we had a lot of fun just, you know, playing hockey together. And when the opportunity came about to uh, to to you know have a small role in Jared's web series, Letterkenny Problems, Crazy and I jumped on the opportunity, and we were jacked up about it. And then uh, fast forward, you know, six months, and Bell wants to turn it into a series. Jared uh, Jared took us out for for supper one night, and he said, you know, we've been trying to get a pilot. And uh, the pilot's not going to happen, but uh, the six-episode bundle we, we got ordered for. So, you know, he uh, kind of faked us out there. And then he goes, you know, they, 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 wanted to, uh, they wanted to audition hockey players. They wanted to see who else was out there for, for the hockey players. And Jared said, not a chance, you know, if, if we're making the show, Dylan and Hersey are, are coming with me. And, and you know, just knowing that out of the out of the gate that he had our backs in that way, and I mean, he really was stepping up to the plate for us because, you know, Hersey and I had done a bit of stuff. Our, our careers were you know starting to take off a bit, but uh, to put you know us in that big of a role was f for sure a bit of a risk for for the network. And to have Jared back us up, you know, we really did feel like it wasn't just uh, an acting opportunity, but you know, we had to make our buddy look good. And, and, you know, when we, when we did the work to come to set and, and be tight and be good with our lines, then that's when you start to really have fun. You don't have to think about you know, what we're saying and what we're doing. We, we put in a lot of work the, the first couple of seasons, just, you know, eight hour nights before we got on set, running the sides and rehearsing. And then once you're, once you're tight like that, you have the opportunity to have fun on set. And that for sure is, is what really comes across. And, 
I think we're all very, very aware of, of how fortunate we are, not just to be on a good show, but to be on a good show with our friends. And, uh, and that is such a, such a cool part of it. I mean, oftentimes you hear on the tour bus or on set, it's like, this is unreal. Like the, like what we get to do for a living. I mean, I'm sure I, I think anyone who's, who's done something that's, you know, difficult to do, whether it's being a professional athlete or a musician or, a, or an actor, you have to have those moments where you sit back and go, this is neat. Cause if you have your blinders on it, it happens fast. Right. And you don't want to look up at the end of it and go, fuck, I never took time to sit back and, and appreciate it. And Jared is really good about that. You know, at, at the end of every set of every show, we had a, a group hug and that wasn't to, to show the fans, you know, this is a, a, a presentation to our camaraderie. It was because Jared, he goes, I want to make sure that we're getting all the fucking juice out of this because this is cool. These are special moments and we should, you know, take time, the beginning and the end of every show to just sit in it and just realize, you know, what we have here is is special. And, uh, you know, I think the fans see that and they appreciate it because they feel like they, they're in on it with us. You know, this sense of humor is so unique. There's so few shows like Letterkenny. So the fans feel something connected to it when they see that we're, plugged into that same energy I, I think it goes a long way and it's just it's just taking that second to go fuck this is cool we're lucky and uh, I think that's really important to do in in whatever whatever venture you're engaged in is just take the time to go hey if it's this is special and recognize it you know what you you nailed so many things in that statement there of why you are all successful and why maybe this is sort of the you know catapult of you know as you all individually whatever you has in your future you know with you you were able to do for all the you know kids out there like nick would know that nick will know this and all this but you were able to branch off because of this into Descendants 3, which is a Disney, which is a, you know, a dancing, which is, uh, you know, something that isn't, isn't Letter Kenny. You mentioned you're going to be uh, a role in the Mighty Ducks and stuff, but the thing you nailed was, was what I always preach. It took me a long time to realize that the, the destination's an oasis because you're a human being and you always want more. You know, you always, yeah. you want to so get goals and you enjoy the journey. And the fact you right back there when you said you got to make you got to make your boy look good, you said yeah. you know, and that right there, boom! It's like because that's the family and that's what you exude, and that's it seems like from what you're telling me, and obviously talking to Nathan and getting to know you guys a little bit more. But from day one, even when uh, Jared and Nathan, you know, brought this about, and you guys how it started in the in the in the locker room to to know it had to be just greasy authentic like that because it didn't matter where it went you know and and it's something that i think that you can realize that it just keeps building because it's 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 one of those cult things i mean i yeah. you know you're gonna you trailer park boys you know the, 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 that's the the other you know the one for me the cult there's a bunch of different canadian tv shows and stuff but you know yeah. for me growing up and knowing those guys and just they can still throw a movie out right now you know, yeah, the, you know, it's almost 30 years later and stuff because everybody knows Bubbles, Ricky, and Julie. And just like they know, yeah. you know, they know how, what a big slut your mom, you and Jonesy's moms are. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like, you know, everybody yeah. knows. But, but talk about, so you mentioned about, you know, how it came about 
and where Jared said uh, Jared Kiso, the, the the creator who plays Wayne, um, wanted it to be you guys. So when you start at the beginning, because you guys had started acting and you get this 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 chance, what's it like? It's got to be a little bit the, the flow of it because the some of the some of the scenes that you guys do the the banter back and forth and and it's really quick witted and especially the stuff when when you do with Shorzy where you never see his face and it's always chirping yeah. your moms and it's always back and forth. Um, how how do you you is it easier to is it like some sort of learn thing because it seems second nature, you know and then, and yeah, it, yeah, to the yeah. point where you now you guys yeah. fuck with each other because in the live show yeah. I can see everybody trying to fuck with each other because you're so. Yeah. It's not like you're bored, but you're so on your game that you try to make everybody else laugh. And I know well, like you, at you the end yourself. when uh, coach comes out, but talk talk about that. because <laughs> And then it's enabled you. So speak about the confidence for Dylan Playfair as an actor or what, you know, maybe it's uh, this role as Riley has – shown you yeah, to yeah. I, mean, I, I think it, it's like it's like anything you know and I, I i've beaten the hockey analogies to death but it truly is what i know you know like you said at the beginning i mean my, my dad's been in the game since way before i, I was born i mean he's he you know, drafted me he's 18 he's still a coach so my whole life uh life analogies were hockey analogies and i think of it like you know when you're first learning to shoot the puck when you're six years old and you first raise the puck off the ice you're you're focused on that that's all you're focused on you're you're all your energy is going into that simple thing and then once that becomes second nature then you can go on to other skills and it starts to become a flow and it starts to become second nature and that's when you see guys who start to have fun playing the game where they're not focused on you know the the little fundamentals of it it's just there and the same thing i think happens in acting i mean when we first started the show I, I was running you know honest to god Hersey and i would do eight hours of lines just so that the next day on set we were really tight with it we were not thinking about what the words were we were able to listen and react and fuck with each other because that's where the humor comes from when you're when you're messing with each other and, and you're able to get those authentic moments um but that uh once that muscles developed it was funny actually around season four i uh i was speaking with jacob the director and i said you know it feels like I almost feel like I'm not justified in coming to set right now because it, it, it takes us 45 minutes to get off book now. And he goes, you're just, you're just comfortable with it now. You've learned that skill. So by the time you guys have seen us on stage, those, those characters and those lines are so second nature to us. I mean, it's like you watch NHL hockey, very rarely do guys, you know, struggle to, to, to get the puck up off the ice or struggle to, to catch a pass. I mean, that's just stuff that they've done so often that now they're thinking two or three steps ahead. And that's been such a cool part about the show is having gone as many seasons as we have gone, we we really get comfortable with the characters. So you know what Riley would say, what Shorzy would say, what Jonesy's gonna do, what what, what Wayne's gonna do. And that's not a that's not a bad thing. That allows you to to be a lot more free in the moment where you you know, you, you expect a joke to come or I think of a, a hockey line with a lot of chemistry. You know where the other guy's going to be. And that stuff doesn't happen overnight. That's got to grow and develop. And organically, once it gets there, then it's then it's so much fun. I mean, that, that, that I think is why the, the live show does so well. I don't think you could have done the live show in season one, two, or three. You need that 
that rapport with everyone where you get on stage and there's not much that's going to throw you off. You know what your guy's going to do. You know what your character's going to say. And, you know, to let you guys in on a little insider secret, every single night, Coach Mark Forward would give us this little shit-eating grin before he goes out because he's, he's going to try to fuck with us. You know, he was switching lines <laughs> up. He was changing looks. He was just trying to fuck with us. And, and you know, that, that only happens when everyone's super comfortable with their characters and you know you know what's going to be funny you know how to react for it to be funny and uh i, I think the fans see that and then i think they've got to you know grow with us a little bit it's uh yeah it's it's a lot of fun to do man it's we're very fucking <laughs> having a good time well you know what and it shows and anybody who hasn't seen letter kenny you can pull up clips on uh youtube or you can watch it on hulu or crave um and see different things. Do you personally, Dylan, have favorite, you know, episodes, or is there uh, a, a different mm-hmm. character that you just like is, is so much fun, or you like somebody that you know watching watching them work uh, over time um, on the show? Yeah. Like, yep, definitely. Um, watching uh, McMurray is a lot of fun. The, the McMurrays are are wild, man. They uh, uh, Dan Petronievich you know the the stuff Fuck. that he comes up with he's fucking wild man Fuck. like all that whole character was would you in, pre- okay so pre- you got to preface for the for the audience that doesn't know so the McMur- they're they're this couple and they're like sexually perverted like the banana scene when she choked him out with the banana <laughs> was the most uncomfortably funny thing i've ever seen like yeah. that was like cinematic the way he did it. And it's like, you don't, when you don't know if it's the real life dude or he's playing the character, like, can you explain he's, that just for so, Nick and I? Oh man. He's man. That guy is such a riot. He's cause cause Dan is a person is a character, you know, Dan Petronievich by himself is like never a dull moment. Then you mix in the zaniness of, of his character. I mean, his character is hornier than a five headed billy goat, him and his wife. They just want to screw everything with legs. I don't even have to have legs actually. Truth be told. I think they'll, <laughs> the list of things they won't have sex with is shorter than the things they will in the show, at least. And then you add that yeah. to the, to their uh, impulsiveness. I mean, we we're on set for that. And, and, <laughs> Jacob's really known for letting scenes run because he, you know, he thinks comedy comes out of, you know, letting letting the guys sort of sit in the moment and fucking uh, he had that banana down his throat for probably 15 <laughs> seconds before McMurray turned into Dan and he goes, oh, that was pretty far in, eh? <laughs> That's pretty, that was pretty good. Um, oh, man, but yeah, no, the, uh, the amount of, of, of laughs we have on that set is oh. fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> But, the, but yeah, that so that that character, I'd say, like he he provides a lot of laughs. And then my favorite episode, uh, I think it's Super Soft Birthday Party. Super Soft Birthday Party for me was an episode where I think everyone kind of recognized that we had something really special here. Uh, it was a, an episode where everyone in town kind of comes together, and they have you know there's a big fight, but then at the end there's a big party, and I think it's really uh, you know it's it's a good metaphor for for what the show means to all of us. It's this crazy, zany, fun thing. And, and it, you know, it's like a party's no fun by yourself. You need to have your friends there in order for it to be a good time. And actually Jared's got this really cool photo from the actual episode of, of Super Soft Birthday with 
him and all the hicks standing there um and you can see the the fireworks going off in the background and and basically the whole cast of lighter candy is out in front of him and it's just a a really a really cool episode because i think we all recognize you know this is this is a really special show once we uh, once we finish that so yeah that's my favorite episode for sure well, you make the hockey reference, you know, because it's like a locker room, and and even being backstage, and Nick can attest to this. The is it that's what it felt like, the family or the locker room or the comfortability. Uh, Nick, you got a couple questions for Dylan. I don't want to hog them all here. You've been working hard in the real world. I'm going to let you. This is Nick's. We got to understand, Dylan. This is Nick's time to uh, get away from all the kids and stuff like that. So it's only an hour. And yesterday I was up at my marijuana facility up in Pincana because I had to go and because things are got updates coming anyways. So things are going good once this comes all back. So Nick missed his hour yesterday. So I gave him an extra hour. I put him in Perfect. jail. So Nick, you got some questions for Dylan. You can t- take the floor, Nick. I got to, I got to, by the way, Dylan Playfair sponsored to you by Tim Hortons as always, not just cause he's Canadian and I'm Canadian it's because Tim Hortons is where you go now in this COVID-19 times. I know I got one less than a mile this way, less than a mile this way in Royal Oak Madison Heights, but download the app, go through the drive-through, bingo, bango, bongo. Mickey Redmond says, boom, you're in, you're out, and then on your way, everybody's safe, and uh, you get your Tim Hortons. Because, Dylan, we all know this because we're Canadian. Timbits make everything better. Fire away, Nick. <laughs> so I'm interested in hearing about the transition, you know, growing up in Fort James, Canada, there's, you know, 5,000 people that are in town, uh, kind of rural Canada. Uh, how do you make that transition into, you know, going to LA or, or the acting bug? Like when did that all start for you? Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, I mean, I got really fortunate cause having a, a dad in, in pro hockey, uh, you know, it's really similar to being a military brat. Like I was born in Fort St. James and then he was coaching in Dayton, Ohio, and then St. John, New Brunswick, then Calgary, Alberta, then uh, Phoenix. So we, we moved around a lot. So Fort St. James for us was our home base because, you know, Jimmy knew that was going to be a big part of our lives was traveling a lot. So I'd spend about as, as soon as the hockey season was over, we were back in Fort St. James. So some years we'd be up there you know, middle of May, some years we'd be up there at the end of June. And then we'd stay right up until, uh, you know, at training camp started. So um, it, it was awesome. I got to really double dip on the childhood of, of having a, a small town experience and then a big city experience. And, um, you know, having having a dad in in the NHL always sort of instilled this desire in me to, to do something to do something special. Cause I thought, you know, my, my dad, it's funny. It's a line in the show. They say, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But that was legitimately something my dad told me all the time as a kid growing up. Cause you know, being a, a hockey coach, it's as, as much work as it is, it's, it's a fun job. I mean, you're doing something that I think a, a lot of people would like to do and not many people get to do. So when it came time for me to, you know, pursue, pursue my, uh, my hockey career, I knew I wanted to play pro, and then after I knew I wanted to get into film. So my game plan was to play until I retired, which is you know generally sometime in your 30s, 
and then go to school. It's it's funny that in pro sports in your thirties you're getting old, whereas in you know the rest of the world you're you're still a spring chicken at thirty. So uh, nineteen rolls around. I'm playing junior hockey in um, Merritt, British Columbia, and uh, just loved the game. Loved getting loved getting gritty. Loved grinding, but I wasn't. I didn't think I was going to the NHL. And after, I think we talked about this last time on your podcast, and uh, a one assist, zero goal rookie season really uh, shed the light of reality on me in a big way. And uh, yeah, I just had a bit of an epiphany. I was watching Friday Night Lights with Taylor Kitsch, and he'd played in the same league as I did. And I really went went full, full tilt poker into it. I, I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this full blast. I'm not going to have any other backup plans i'm going to vancouver and i'm not stopping until i I make it work so i loaded up my vehicle and drove from uh from Merritt to vancouver and lived with uh sylvan harper's parents who were location managers at the time and uh really just applied all the stuff that i learned in hockey to acting you know i i asked around i found out you know what acting classes to go to um got in on beer league team um through being on on set actually like emptying garbage cans literally was my job on on movie sets and I just asked the guys on set if there was any uh, hockey teams with with actors on it and uh, there was sure enough and that was the Trappers I got introduced to Ryan McDonald and Jerry Kiso and he was sort of my my first into the to the industry because I, I told him like I don't have the f- slightest idea as to how to start this but I I want to know I want to find out how so I was googling watching. YouTube videos. Um, but you know, I, I think I was, I was getting into it cause I wanted to, I, I wanted to perform. I wanted to be on set. I always enjoyed being sort of the, the clown in the dressing room and I love telling stories. I love telling jokes. And, uh, I think the small town work ethic in me that, that was instilled from living in Fort St. James and working in sawmills, uh, mixed with the, you know, the, the people skills of living in a big city. Cause when you're from a small town, you don't interact with a ton and you interact with a lot of people, but it's the same people and over and over again. So you kind of get a little bit of an insular circle of people. Whereas when you're in a big city and you're moving all the time, I mean, my brothers and I moved eight times as kids, we moved a lot. Um, so I was able to, you know, converse with people and talk to people and felt comfortable. And then I also applied that work ethic to it. So I think it was, you know, a mixture of the two, you know, going into social situation. And that's what an audition is. You walk in and you're, you're saying the lines and talking to the people. And it's as much about, I think, playing the character as it is about meeting the casting directors and meeting the directors. And, you know, when you book a role, you're not, it's not just for the actor, if the role you're playing, you're working with these people for two months, six months, nine seasons. You never know how long it's going to be. So you want to be able to not just, play the role well but you want to be someone who you know people want to be around on a daily basis and 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 all that shit all that stuff comes from hockey so you know i I think they both complemented each other and you know once you realize that pretty much everyone in the industry is is coming from a similar similar background you know a lot of a lot of small town people get into get into acting and it's just you know staying in it for the right reasons if you're in acting to be famous you're going to have a very very hard time and it's going to leave you feeling gutted and empty but if you're in it because you love it then uh then it's a lot more a lot more fun a lot easier i know that you know with the uh you're talking about you know emptying trash cans on set i'm assuming you're working as a pa 
Uh, yeah. And I did the same thing in LA and it sucks. And if you don't know what PA <laughs> juice is, you'll hear that around. It's literally the, the liquid at the bottom of a trash can. So that's awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So you know, you're in the acting, and I know that you're, you know, your brothers and got into the fashion industry. Like, where did the artistic side of things come from in your family? Because it's, I mean, an actor, somebody in fashion. You look at hockey; yeah. that doesn't really scream art so much. So where did that? Where did Watch that all come mouth. from? Watch your mouth, there, Nicholas. What are you talking <laughs> about? Watch your mouth. Some of us just have it all. Hey, the only thing that's a piece of art is maybe your hair and your beard. Oh, 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 you're talking professionally, not a hobby. You got cool readers, too. I would defer to the professional. There you go, there you go. Yeah, you know, I think it came from, you know, my dad was hyper aware. He never wanted anyone to think that we were playing hockey because he played hockey. So he was always very you know, up front and, and reminded us that whatever we do, we should do it because we want to do it because we enjoy it because we love it. And for for a long time, that was hockey. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think there's a lot more, um, you know, artistic uh, people in, in sports than, than sort of it, it gives itself credit for. You see, uh, you know, Chad Brownlee. I mean, Darren's a musician. You, you got... Uh, Taylor Kitsch, who played hockey, and now he, you know, he became one of my one of my idols um, in terms of of lighting a, a path for for me to follow. So I think it's, you know, it's just not being not being nervous of 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 failing and and looking stupid at the beginning of it because, you know, when you have a hockey team, you do have to present a, a tough exterior, and I think the you know the 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 softer side only really comes out in the dressing room with the guys, but it's very insular, you know, you're not really hockey's a different sport in the way that hockey players historically aren't flashy. They're not loud. They're not, you know, really opening up to, to media. I mean, that's why so much of the, the stuff that we've done is, is it's funny. You get the hockey stock answers, you know, got to get pucks deep, get pucks in that, win some hockey games, you know, stick to the systems. They have these stock answers, but then you see shit like, um, you know, uh, uh, Paul B. Sinet and some of these guys who are, who are breaking the mold and really showing just how funny hockey players can be. And, and I think it was, you know, less, less uh, about, you know, coming out and saying, Hey, this is, this is what I'm into. I'm artistic. And, and more my dad being like, you know, fuck it, do it. If you want to do it, just do it. If you want to play hockey, just do it. If you want to act, just do it. If you think you're funny, then, you know, just be, be funny and don't worry about what other people think or say so um yeah it, it wasn't uh it wasn't nearly as big of a transition i think as a lot of people assume coming from that hockey family because i never had the the overbearing father presence saying you're gonna play hockey you're gonna do this you're gonna you know this is your path he was very very much like whatever you do you're gonna work hard at it i'm not gonna have a lazy kid but whatever you do you're gonna like it i'm not gonna force you to do something you don't want to do so yeah, it was pretty easy. It was an easy transition. I was fortunate in that sense. I love it, though. I love that full tilt. I got, I caught the full tilt poker fucking comment, too. You know, we go full yeah, tilt like, on it. Cause, uh, well, you fucking yeah, put your eggs it. in one basket and watch that basket. Don't let anyone tip it over. Like, why have a plan B? <laughs> Listen, it's it had to go back, back to Jonesy's freaking poker shades, his poker star yeah. shades that he had on. 
fucking in the season. Um, but how about how about hockey wise? Like, because like you said, your dad's been at different teams. Who are some of the guys? Like, because growing up and and you know, you said sort of like uh, the military brat, but you've been in different locker rooms and stuff like that. Who are some of the you know some of the teams you remember? Do you like? Do you remember coming in uh, Calgary's locker room? Oh yeah, yeah, like no, I remember it really well. Yeah, I uh, like. It, I mean, one of my favorite memories is when 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 he was coaching the American League team in uh, St. John. They won a Calder Cup, and that was a really really cool experience. I just remember that team being hard. No, I mean, when you know Calgary's you? Cup run. Uh, How old were you? Twelve. Okay, because that's I call yeah. I call that explain yeah. because. It's wheelhouse age, right? Your wheelhouse age, like most the, the the big secret with us Canadians, and I'm gonna let this out there to every to everything else is that we just we remember what it's like to be 12 years old, and how mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where life was simpler. We we treat everybody like when we were 12. If if we yeah. wanted to fight you when we were 12 year old, us wants to fight you, then we'll fight you as 50 year old now or or yeah. 30 year old now. But if it's just you, you know, it's that mentality. So you're very impressionable and you've been your dad. Like I, I played for your dad and I know the different, you know, being in the, in the different organizations that he's been into that the guys, you know, like, um, so in St. John, who are some of the guys on that team that won with him? Uh, who was on there? Chris Clark was, uh, I think Clarky was the captain. Uh, we had Rico Fata. He was F- uh, Rico Fasta, they called him. Um, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think who else was on there. Uh, they had uh, Steve Beijing. Steve Beijing was one of my absolute all-time idols. They had a photo of him. He uh, he got in a fight. I think it was the last round of the playoffs. Game one, he got in a fight, and he had his eye punched shut. And then he comes back out, and he takes a puck in the same side of the face. And then he <laughs> comes back to the dressing room. And they had stereo strips taped to his eyes so he could keep his eyes from going closed. So he's playing the third period with, with a broken nose. You know, his eyes are doing everything they can to swell shut. And he's got literally four stereo strips keeping his eyes open. And you got there's a picture of him on the bench just looking like a fucking meat grinder. And they put it in the dressing room. And uh, my dad typed up, um, whatever it takes. And I remember walking into the dressing room after they won and seeing that picture and looking over and seeing Steve Beijing with his eyes just pumped right shut, but he's got a fucking smile on his face and two beer in each hand. And I was like, that's, that's cool. That's a really, really cool moment to see. Cause man, it, when you win, it really doesn't hurt. Like, I mean, you know what it's like Darren, when you, when your face is busted, your hands are busted, but you're sitting in the, in the dressing room after victorious, it's like that shit, goes away it doesn't hurt and i i again i really apply that stuff to acting you know like you get told no you audition you you get a bunch of no's you're fucking you're sitting there going am i good am i ever gonna act again like is this opportunity ever gonna present itself and then you know you go through that struggle you go through that pain and then when you finally do get something you finally do get one or a win then it's like oh yeah that's why i do all this because because when you're winning nothing hurts so, uh, yeah, that was for sure really cool. And then, obviously, the cup run in Calgary was, was wild to see the energy of that, of that building and, and to see how the, the, uh, the city got behind the team was, was awesome. I mean, obviously, no, I wish we would have had the angle from the fucking ABC camera and 
Tampa because I think there should be some cup rings here, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> you and I agree. You and I agree. I think that was the bigger uh, the bigger robbery in in hockey than Brett Hall's foot being in the crease. Oh no, man, you be, and that was another one too. Because my my uh, my uncle was with uh, he was because uh, my dad was with Dallas's organization, and Larry was with the uh, Buffalo alumni. So we were on the other side of the fence. We were, you know, go Dallas. And then we had Karma came back a couple of years later. But but I say to everybody, right? Like, there's a difference, and and it's like the twelve year old. It's a Canadian. Wait. The, the reason why I say it's different is because the Brett Hull thing happened outside the net. The puck went in the net. The mm-hmm. Calgary Hobby Boom, the puck went in the net. We're talking about if they would have had the overhead view from the top yeah. where Hobby Boom caught it. And nowadays we see with instant replay in the NHL that they call the goalie catching it in the net goals. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that, to me, because that's what, you know, that irks me a little bit because it's sort of like, but my heart virtues, vulnerable truth with integrity. So that throws the world off a little bit, but I'm, I digress. I'm, I'm working on it. So like Dylan, you mentioned that where you have that you're a human being and you have that, that little bit of a doubt um, to it, but in getting it and, and applying yourself and, and the bottom line is you only get what you put in, what you get out is what you put in and that's where it was so it's led you to do you know do the acting in the descendants three which isn't letter kenny like i said and then now mm-hmm. right talk to me about uh and talk to the people out there about uh mighty ducks tell yeah so talk that, as much that, as you can uh, to let them know because that's what you'll be getting into once you're free to get out of wherever you're at where are you by the way yeah i'm in vancouver i'm in vancouver okay. so basically as soon as uh soon as COVID's lifted, game plan is back uh, back to work on Mighty Ducks. But that that was a really cool. I mean, I grew up watching Mighty Ducks. I could pretty much quote all three movies from uh, you know the, the the original all the way up to the to the third one. Um, but yeah, I'd uh, I'd worked with the production company Bright Light on a couple other TV series, and one of the producers actually called me and said, Hey, Steve Brill, who's a creator of Mighty Ducks is a huge Letterkenny fan. He wants to go for supper with you. So I, I get his number and we set up a, a supper and I'm just, you know, basically going over there to, to meet him and, and, you know, hear a little bit about this project. My, my original intention, well, what I thought was going to happen was just do a little cameo. So, you know, one or two lines in the show and, and be done with it. But uh, Steve and I ended up you know, three and a half hours later shooting this shit. He's a legitimate big hockey fan. And we actually joked about watching Charlie Huddy replays. My, my brothers uh, lived in Arizona and them and Austin Matthews used to hang out. Actually, Austin Matthews spent a bunch of time at our house and he, he showed my brothers this YouTube clip of they took every mistake Charlie Huddy ever made through his career and cut it together with the Michael Jackson song, Bad. Which I, I showed to my dad, and he goes, Charlie Huddy was a good player. I mean, if you had a long career and you had some asshole cut together every mistake you ever made, you'd look like an idiot too. But I, uh, <laughs> I was laughing about it, and I showed it to Steve Brill, and fuck, we howled and just laughed at that videotape. And then we were sharing, you know, various you know highlights and our favorite fights and our favorite goals. And you know, next thing we knew, it was closing time, 
And uh, he calls me a couple of days later and goes, hey, there's a bigger role in this project. And I think it might be really good for you playing the coach of the of the Ducks because the Ducks are now a, a, a high level um, club team. So uh, so we talked about that. He sent me the script over. And what what was the make or break deal was whether or not it was going to work in the schedule with Letterkenny. And then, you know, talking to, to, to Kiso and those guys, they're like, oh, man, absolutely. We'll make it work. The Mighty Ducks are an institution. And that goes back to, you know, having <laughs> having your friends in, in the production, because a lot of other productions would say, you know, kick rocks, bud, fuck off. You're working around our schedule. But for 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 them, they recognize, you know, that's a big deal. It's a cool opportunity. So. Yeah, I get to play in eight of the ten episodes, and it'll be a lot of fun. But obviously, once the COVID's lifted, that's when we're going back to work. So, yeah, sooner than later, hopefully. Dude, I got to do translation supper for you Americans out there is dinner, or, or go out yeah, for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Like that. No, I, that's all right. I got translation in there. Um, Thanks, buddy. And the fact that no, you mentioned it, bro, because you, remember when you said at the originals we got to make our buddy look good. And, and just knowing you guys and stuff, but what's important, we're Mighty Ducks, right? Especially, so my son, Griffin, he's 23, but but it's an institution. If you're a hockey oh, fan, if, you're, if you grow up, the Mighty Ducks, Gordon Bombay, you know, uh, all those characters, that is an institution. So it's it's that makes me feel uh, so much better as far as everything else. Hey, Nick, do you got to yeah. go take your uh, big boy call? Nick? <laughs> He's out already. Well, that, that you know, must got, I, he must have got yanked off the call. But uh, anyways, uh, that's Nick Nooch. He'll join us again uh, tomorrow if he's gone. But, dude, that that's, you know, that's so awesome. So, uh, in saying, in saying that with, with those things, what else do you have in the hopper? Do you like do scripts? So if you're sitting at home in Vancouver and, um, de- uh, do you, do you read scripts right now or do you yeah, prepare? Yeah. So, so right now, yeah. Jen and I have a, a, a video production company called, called media button. Um, and we do, uh, commercials and documentaries. So I've been pretty busy with that. Um, it's been uh, nice to be able to to stay occupied, but um, I'm I'm right now. There's a project called Use Mercs, which is about, about mercenaries. It's a shoot 'em up uh, film that's going through uh, a script revision right now. I'm supposed to start shooting that in August. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of hurry up and wait. I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do right now, especially with the with the COVID nineteen thing. Um, you know, the game plan was to do the tour and then to do Mighty Ducks. And then I had a wedding in July, which has been postponed. And then we we're going to go back and do season uh, 10 of, of Letterkenny for July and August. Um, but that's all been put on hold. So, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of watching TV. <laughs> I watched all of Waco last night and saw Operation Odessa a couple days ago, which was really good. But um, yeah, man, I've been I've been reading a lot, uh, taking a course right now and directing a masterclass with Ron Howard, just you know, trying to trying to keep myself sane. But um, you know, it's uh, it. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, is that the is that Dylan Playfair's just put as many tools in the toolbox, or like is directing something that 
as an actor you like to get into or the produ- production yeah, side? Or just, I really want to do it all. Yeah. No, I really want to direct is something that's been high on my priority list for, you know, since same, you know, since before I got into acting, even I've, I've known I wanted to direct, I get a big kick out of that. So this year I've done a music video in Los Angeles with a band called Carousel. That's up on YouTube. Uh, I did a commercial for a dental office here. Um, I'm shooting um, a little children's mini series uh, for, for an energy company, honestly, starting out small so I can get my handle on, on, uh, you know, the, the angles and directing and, you know, what, what I'm able to do right now with the crew sizes, cause our company has two or three crew members and we shoot, you know, fairly, it's called skeleton crew. There's not very many people. So we're still able to do that with the social distancing restrictions. Um, so I'm doing that for, for now. And then, uh, I'm going to end up shadowing, Jacob, our director for next season of Letter Candy, I'm going to go out early and just watch his process. But it's absolutely something I'm gonna I'm gonna do. It's just I'm I'm in a lucky position right now. I don't I don't need to to rush into it. I got Letter Kenny going for a while. I got uh, you know Mighty Ducks. I'm I'm working on on movies. And I think the more you're on set as an actor, paying attention to the directors, it, it's an education in and of itself. So. Uh, it's absolutely something I want to do. It's something I really enjoy, and it's something that's going to happen uh, when the when the time is right. No, I lo- I I love your game plan, and uh, you know everything that you've talked about to to get where you've gotten. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier is that you were going to try to be a hockey player, but you knew you always wanted to get into acting. Which I tell everybody, it's okay to have a bunch of different dreams to do. But the bottom line, it's what you put in to get out. And I always, I, I had to learn the hard way as far as have one thing. If I went back and, you know, as my hockey career was here and, and maybe had one or two little things instead of making things bigger, but you can grow into it. And I love the fact that it's internal, right? You ingest mm-hmm. back in and it's you're talking about, oh, where are you going to learn a lot of your chops? Well, I'm going to take a master class. I'm going to read some stuff, but then I'm going to just going to hang out on the set. And, and the way yeah. that it, it goes back, that makes me, you know, that, that, that's for people out there watching 25 on 19 or grind time or whatever you're seeing is that, Hey, th- these are the people behind the scenes of maybe some of the stuff that you mm-hmm. love. And it's, it, and it's great where we can learn so many different things. And I'm so excited, you know, for you just to watch whatever it is that you do, because I know oh, you're going to put man. the work yeah. into it. Now, yeah, for here, sure. And, um, and if I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, if I had, you know, if I could uh, give any advice to people, because, uh, you know, I think an important thing to remember about, about any endeavor is, you know, if you're genuinely interested in something and, and you find someone who knows about that, that thing, whatever it is, um, 99.9% of the time people want to share their passion with you. If, whether it's, you know, if you want to be a mechanic and you, you apprentice with someone who, who knows mechanics and you're genuinely interested and you ask real questions and they can see that you really give a shit, that's when you really start to learn because people, you know, if, if, if they're passionate about it, they get excited when they see someone else passionate about it. And that's what I've learned, you know, as I get into directing is I haven't had a single mentor 
say no. And I, you know, I, I asked Jacob last season, I said, could I come out and watch your process? I really want to want to start directing. He was thrilled about it. He's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've reached out to, to producers and directors and writers. And, you know, when you're, when you're seeking information from people who have been through the steps to get to where they are, you know, they're excited to do it. They, they, they want to know They They want it. They want to help you. They want to see you, you know, succeed because then that's a part of their legacy going on. And that's what I found to be, you know, such a, such a huge part and a great piece of advice, which was don't be afraid to ask questions. People want you to ask them questions. They want to share their passion with you. So anyone out there listening, if there's something that you want to do, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to someone who's done it or who's doing it and ask for, for advice because, you know, they can sense that genuine interest. And I mean, shit, the worst thing that happens is they say no. And then you're exactly where you are right now. Best case scenario, you learned a bunch of stuff you didn't know before. I love it, kid. I, I, you know, I, I love it. And, and it goes to show because I know your parents and, and, you know, everything it's like, you know, the one thing is I can hear it coming out of your, your dad's mouth. I don't care what you are, but you're not going to be lazy. You know, so, yeah. so and, I, and, say. I want to ask, I want to ask you that. What, what was it like playing for Jimmy? I, I always get the, uh, I, I think no, I get a I, lot of the edited uh, versions, but uh, how was that? Was he a, well, a hard driver see, or what? No, not really. <laughs> Your dad had, as obviously, and, and I got him when he got his first shot as a coach and, and sort of where I was, it doesn't really count, but, but you know, your dad was or tell you straight, honesty is your dad's great greatest ability, and 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 it's cool to see your dad fly off the hinge a few times because he's got a <laughs> he can put a bunch of swear words together. You should have him a cameo for Letter Kenny telling somebody off because he he can get red faced and tell you, and he's got the uh, anybody who knows Jim passion because of passion. He does have the passion, bro. You can feel the passion no matter what it is. So yeah. I can understand well, you growing up the way it is and stuff. Um, quickly, I got I to gotta ask you because it's NFL draft. Do you have a favorite NFL uh, football team? Do you follow the NFL? Uh, I'd be I'd be up over my head in in, in uh, deep water if I started trying to talk shop NFL. I'm playing close attention to the NHL these days, but uh, I mean – in Vancouver, we're all kind of Seahawks okay. fans. So, uh, there, there you go. I love it. Seahawks, Sorry, did you see the NHL? Batman today came out, and they're they're looking at a possibility of finding four cities, or they're talking about he's got a you know, being able. Batman's got to get on a call with uh, Dana White, I think. Get a, a fight island and a hockey island side by side. You hear what Dana White's doing? No. Dana White from the UFC, I guess he's secured a private island. So he's going to fly all the fighters out there, Royal Rumble style, and uh, have the fights in an undisclosed location and broadcast them from an island. So uh, I don't know. It sounds like there's a couple other leagues that are trying to do that, trying to circumvent the... Because the big thing is the crowd restrictions on the road, right? Like some some counties are not allowing more than a 1,000 people together. So... I, hey man, I, uh, I hope I I pray that they get a, a season together because Edmonton was, I mean they're kicking ass, they're doing well, so I'd love to see them, you know, see it through. They are kicking ass. Um, we got to get going. I can hear the grinder music, and I promise people I don't want to torture them with my me singing too much longer. But 
Dylan Playfair, thank you for joining me. Say hi to your dad, bro. Stay in touch, and whatever you do, man, you're going to do it well. So uh, Thanks, all I got to say to you is Ferda, bro. Ferda. Ferda, boys. Hey, man, good talking to you, Darren. I'll talk to you soon, pal. You too, bud. Thank right. you. Still play fair, and that's 25 on 19, D-Max. See you tomorrow.